The Property Playbook would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands of where this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, acknowledging the culture, the history, and the connection to the lands of what we call home. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to The Property Playbook, the podcast where we take you from A to V of all things property. My name is Jessica Ricky, and one day I would really like to buy my first home, but along the way, I want to hear some stories about how other people did it. So today we're back with another property diary and I've got Victoria Devine. Hello. Thanks for letting me on your pod, Jessica Ricci. Oh my goodness. Welcome anytime. Today, I have a fun one all about buying off market. Would you like to hear it? Of course I would. Alrighty. Our diarist says, this is a warm and fuzzy warning on this story. Hundreds warm of- and fuzzy warning. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's the best kind of warning. Hundreds of open homes, over 18 months of nonstop looking and so many offers. Then in December last year, I was having dinner with a friend who used to be my housemate in a property she owned. We were talking about the crazy COVID market and she mentioned in passing that she can't decide if she wants to sell her place or not. I immediately told her I would buy it right here, right now, name your price. (laughs) Long story short, we came to a mutual agreement and we bought the house using a guarantor and private sale. The serendipitous part, I moved into this once share house with a bunch of strangers at a very low point in my life and was starting my life over again. So this house has always been sentimental to me. It's It's also the house where I met my now partner. I moved out to start our life together and we have since made a beautiful life, including buying this house. The absolute cutest part, we are trying to start a family and our future baby's nursery will be the very room where their dad told their mum that he loved her for the oh first time. Oh my god! How cute! Are you joking? I know we've got our property diarist on the line. Um, you no. got me right in the feels with that one. Yeah, it's cute. It made me cry when I realised. Very serendipitous. Oh my gosh, that's so wholesome. That is actually the most wholesome thing in the entire world. I know. I have so many questions to ask you, but let's start with. The structured question. Yeah, let's go there. Can you tell me a little bit about your buying journey? So it was quite long. We had to adapt and overcome a few times being buying in the peak of COVID. Originally, we wanted to build to take advantage of all the grants they had going at the time. And then the area we lived in just ran out of land. So adapt and overcome. We started looking at established (laughs) properties. We went from there. Took 18 months of every single Saturday going to open homes, many offers. And then, yeah, we eventually came to a private sale with a friend in the end. What a dream situation. How exciting. When exactly and where did you purchase? So we purchased on the Gold Coast in February of this year. We settled. Incredible. And did you purchase with anybody else? I did. I purchased with my partner. Oh, I love that. That story is just... My heart. It's actually the most wholesome thing ever. (laughs) It really is. I can't wait to ask you more questions about that, but I'll wait. Like it would never apply to me because, yeah, I used to live in a dank share house. Yeah, Um, one that you wouldn't want to buy. (laughs) Oh, no chance. No chance. I had the smallest bedroom. Mm -hmm. Like you had to climb over basically everything to get to my bed. Like I I feel like you've lucked out, Property Diarist. Can you tell us, Property Diarist, how much do you earn and what do you do for work? I earn 55000 annually plus super doing admin for a financial planning firm. And I purchased with my partner. He works in the media and his wage fluctuates, but it's 
about 90000 per annum. Beautiful. And how much did you guys spend combined? So we ended up spending 455000 That's pretty good, especially because you're like, name your price. I'll pay anything. I feel like 455 is not too shabby at all for the Goldie. How much did you guys have in your deposit? So we actually had quite a small deposit. It was 30000 which only worked out to be about 6.6%, but we were very lucky in that we had a guarantor, so we didn't have to pay LMI. Amazing. And did you use any additional government schemes or grants with that one? No grants, but we were first home buyers, so we did get the stamp duty concession. Amazing. When you were looking, and it was quite a process for you guys initially, what were your non-negotiables? What things were you just like, I need to have this in this house or I'm just not prepared to buy it? Honestly, we didn't have many just given the market at the time. Yeah. I guess can't be choosers. <laughs> but we we did originally want a standalone house and a double garage and we had a few suburbs that we were looking in that we weren't really happy to change. We opened up our search to townhouses just so that we could stay within those suburbs. And yeah, but we were pretty cruisy. How far along in that journey did you kind of go, okay, we're not finding anything that are ticking all of our boxes. Maybe we've got to kind of compromise to be able to find something. I would say like halfway through, maybe like nine or so months. That makes a lot of sense. And the last thing I wanted to ask, and I feel like I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Looking back, is there anything that you would want to change about your journey? I would have loved a crystal ball to predict the um, insane <laughs> all? Oh, my gosh, prices. I'd be like Rich Rich. Yeah. I would be a baller by now. Same. <laughs> like if only I'd known when I made that very first off five, if I just increased it that tiniest bit, I would have saved myself so much money. But oh, well. Yeah, but everything happens for a reason. And exactly. now you're living in a sentimental home. Like that is the best thing ever. It all worked out. Exactly. I feel like so many times when we're on the journey, and Jess, you are on this journey right now too, where you just feel like you're missing out on everything and it feels like you're hitting a brick wall and you're like, this sucks. And obviously, Property Diarist, you've been through this, like going to so many open homes and probably being heartbroken. I feel like you'd probably be a little bit similar to me that you like got your heart set on something. And even if I hadn't inspected it yet, I'm like, all right, so I'm going to style it like this and then I'm going to do this. Yeah, it's just, it's such an emotional journey that it can feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel and then you hear stories like this and you're like, that's why it happened that way. Yeah, a thousand percent. Oh my goodness. Well, I want to hear all about what that process looks like buying from your friend because I think that's super interesting. But we're going to head to a really quick break and then when we come back, I want to hear all about it. All right, we are back and Property Diarist, you said before, look, we're really lucky. We got to buy with a guarantor. I want to know more about that process because a guarantor, as much as, you know, it's a really privileged position to be in, money win. I definitely would lean on it if it was available to me. However, how did that conversation come up? Because I just feel like so many people, especially in our property playbook community, feel really awkward about going like, oh, I'd love to have a guarantor and I think my parents could or I think my partner's parents could. But like, how does that conversation come to fruition when it can be a little bit awkward sometimes? And was it your parents or your partner's parents? Yeah, we want to know the deets. Yeah, so obviously I've heard of guarantors before, having worked in a bank previously, but my family isn't in a position to do that for me. So it's not something I ever thought I would be lucky enough to utilize myself. But when we started our journey, me and my partner to buying a house, we did go and see a broker. And the broker did mention in the conversation, you know, is there anybody that you could ask to be guarantor? Is that something you would look into? Like for myself, I said, no, that's not something that I can offer from my side of the family. But my partner, he said, 
look, I can ask my dad. My dad owns his own property. I can have that chat and we'll see what happens. We didn't really expect much out of it. So we went home that evening and we called his dad. We It was very awkward. As you said, Victoria, it's not an easy conversation to have. It's a bit orkies. It's a big commitment for somebody to take on, but we did mention it to him and we said, look, no, no expectations. Obviously, completely, you can say no, totally fine. And he immediately was like, yep, let's go. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. How good. So it was like a super easy conversation that you probably like amped yourself up for (laughs) to be like, okay, and then this and then this and this is how I've prepared. And they were like, yeah, sweet, no problems. What? What a dream. I had like a whole script and I was so nervous. And then he was just like, yep, let's go. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. How sweet is that? That's so lovely. I want to ask about the process of buying from a friend because your friend was in the situation where she hadn't even decided if she wanted to put her property on the market yet. It wasn't as if you had seen her house listed and you'd gone, oh, I'm interested. You know, you said that you were having a casual conversation. You're like, I'll buy it. I'll take it. What do you need? How did that play out? Because I feel like it's a very big conversation to have. Like buying a house is not a small thing. It's not like you saying, oh, like let's go away for the weekend together. How did you find the process? Yeah, absolutely. It was a big conversation to have. So we'd all long moved out of the house and it was an investment, a rental at the time. And she was over for dinner. She was umming and ahhing about whether or not to sell just because she did have a difficult tenant in at the time. So if she did decide to advertise, it was going to be a bit of a tricky process for her while she had a tenant in there. So it also suited her to be able to do a private sale. So I said, okay, name your price. Let's go right here, right now. But obviously, we had a big <laughs> conversation about it. It wasn't that straightforward. Yeah. And you're right. Being a friend, you know, it is a little bit orkies. This is a really serious discussion and a serious thing to do. And, you know, you don't want to step on anyone's toes. So, we were very mindful of that throughout the whole process. We ended up getting five valuations done on the property with five quotes for sales commission. So we worked out the average of the commission and the valuations and we sort of got that figure and we had a discussion around that. And then being a seller's market at the time, I knew she obviously had the upper hand and she could make more money if she went on market. So I let her take that figure and then have a think and name her price because you know she's my friend. I don't want to come back and offend her by lowballing or anything like that. So then she came back with the figure It ended up being the figure she had in her mind was the figure we had in our mind. So (laughs) we went from there. That is a really fortunate alignment that you guys were on the same page and probably a testament to you and your partner being like very realistic with your situation. So she had a lot of valuations. Does that mean that she ended up having an agent still process the sale? She didn't sell it directly to you guys? No, there was no agent. She just got like quotes, I suppose. Like, what do you think that it's worth and what would you charge? And then we just took that from five agents. And Oh, that's very clever, to be honest, because then she didn't have to pay the commission to anybody. I feel like that's a really respectful process as well from your side of things, because mm. I think a lot of people could have had less patience and just been like, oh, we've got one, like, I'm happy with it kind of vibes. And I just think that that's, yeah, really patient and kind of you and that process yeah, it doesn't sound like it would have been easy because you were probably chomping at the bit. You're like, just let me have the house. Like, I just want it. And then, yeah, I, I really respect that. I have a couple of questions about your home deposit, though. So I know you had a guarantor loan, but a lot of us that are using guarantor loans are not necessarily using 100% of a guarantor loan. You said you'd saved $30,000, which is an impressive feat in itself. 
how'd you save 30 grand, my friend? We need the deets. Yeah. So my partner and I, we we find we save best when we share finances. So we keep each other accountable and we're able to achieve more. So what we did and what we found worked best for us is we saved one income and lived off the other one. So then there was just non-negotiable savings. One wage wasn't being touched at all. And then we lived off the other one, but we still tried to live as frigally as we can so that we were never dipping into our savings. And when we could, we would deposit more, but at a minimum, at least one wage was always being saved. Yeah, I love that. How did you guys get to a point where you knew living off one income was feasible? Because I know some people listening are going to be like, not a chance, like we absolutely couldn't do that. Did you have to do any rejigging of your budget or changing anything? Not particularly. Like we worked out what we could save individually and then we found that we weren't as you know, committed to sticking to that because it was our own wages. Nobody saw our cheeky little tap taps, our little spending on the weekend. <laughs> so it just worked out to be what we could have saved if we tried hard enough, worked out to be one of our wages anyway. So if we just had that one yeah. wage going straight into a savings account, then there was that accountability there. And it just was, we didn't really have to think about it. Yeah. How did you structure things? So if you're living off one wage and saving the other, and obviously there's a little bit of a gap between, you know, the salary that you and your partner are earning. Did you have to have a conversation about like the equity that you're putting in or have you decided to just do it all 50-50? So it wasn't just straight 50-50. We Mm -hmm. just share everything equally. Like we bring different things to the relationship. So he does earn a little bit more, but I'm more financially minded. So we are able to save a lot more when I'm looking after things as to if he was to save on his own, that sort of thing. So we bring different things to the table in regards to the finances. So we do work best when we work together. Oh, I really like that. I love that you guys have found a way that works for you. And I think it is so important to put an emphasis on things outside of monetary contributions, like the mental load and looking after the finances, which is a really big job in and of itself when you're doing it for a household. So it's really awesome that you guys have put value on that and considered that you're bringing that to the table. You said that there was a tenant in the house that your friend owned. How did that impact your process? So I'm assuming that given that they were difficult, she just let them run out their lease. Is that right? Yeah. So we were going to end up having to be landlords for a little while. There was going to be a little two-month overlap. So, but she did end up just packing up and leaving. Really? She wasn't supposed to. And also I don't think she was allowed to, but it was one of those situations where it's like, it's probably more trouble than it's worth to chase it up. But yeah, she, yeah. Oh, we gosh. did luckily end up having vacant possession that settlement, but she was a little bit, did make it a little bit tricky having a tenant in there when we were trying to do all of our inspections and the building and pest and things like that. She wouldn't let us take photos or anything like that. Even if there was like damage in the property, we couldn't take any photos, which is another reason why she didn't want to have to go to market with her in there because there's no way she would have been able to photograph the property. But we got there in the end. It's all good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How stressful. That's just one of the things that you don't really think about when it comes to, you know, buying property. Mm. If there's a, a tenant in there that's a bit of a pest, yeah, like that can get in the way. Whereas, you know, I remember when we were moving out of our rental property, we weren't even having the property sold. We were just moving and our agent was like, oh, can we inspect it? I was like, yeah, babe, come over. Like, yeah. we want you to get the lease. Like, I don't want you to be out anything. Like, I just can't imagine other people being as pesty. Yeah. But it totally happens. Like, you hear horror stories. <laughs> so I'm glad it worked out the way it worked out for you. Absolutely. 
I have another question about buying with a partner because I feel like a lot of people in our community, that will probably be the way that they purchase property. How did you and your partner get on the same page about the type of property and the location and the area that you wanted to buy? I know when I was talking to my partner about how to buy property and what we should be buying, there were a few friction points and you know there were a few non-negotiables for me that didn't match his non-negotiables. Like, How did you navigate that conversation? As I said before, we didn't have too many non-negotiables just because we are first home buyers. We knew this house wasn't going to be our forever home. We just wanted something that would suit us for the next, say, five years. And then we wanted it to serve as an investment, a decent investment after that, because we did want to keep a hold of the asset. But we just wanted something that would serve us as a family home for the meantime. That was our main goal. And we share that goal. So there wasn't really too many points of conflict because we had the same end goal anyway. So. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you guys. I love the serendipitous nature of it. Like it feels like you came full circle. Like you started, you said at this point in your life where you didn't know what was going on and then you met your partner while you're in this house. And now hopefully one day you'll have babies in this house. And it just is such a special story. Do you have plans? And it's probably a little bit far down in the future to to know exactly what's going to happen. But you said that it's a five-year kind of home for now for you guys. Do you think you would try and hold on to it when you did move to another home or would you probably look to sell it? We would love to keep it. We think it would be a good investment. It's very close to all of the schools in the area and shopping centres and things like that. And it's being a townhouse, it's one of the cheaper options near the the school. So I don't think we'll have much trouble in the future keeping it as a rental. So we would like to keep it for our retirement one day. Incredible. Property Diaries, thank you so much for sharing your story. You really like pulled at my heartstrings. I'm feeling emotional. This was such a cute one. And yeah, I just can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time as someone who's going through the process right now. It is really encouraging to hear someone say, I looked at hundreds of homes because that's what I feel like I'm doing. I feel like I'm looking at millions of homes and making no headway. So thank you for sharing that. You've made me feel so much better. Thank you for your time today and best of luck with your own home buying journey. But I think that's all we've got time for today. Just before we head off, let's quickly wrap up the boring but important stuff. Don't forget that the advice shared on the Property Playbook is generally nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. The Property Playbook exists purely for educational purposes and should not be relied upon to make an investment or a financial decision. And we'd love it if you joined our Facebook group. We have our community sharing and asking questions every single day. Tips and tricks galore. Search the Property Playbook on Facebook to join. And we're also over on Instagram. You can search us at Property Playbook AUS. Lastly, if you think I'm doing a good job, guys, can you leave me a review on the podcast? (laughs) Yes, you sound so desperado. I know, I really do. I want people to tell me I'm doing a good job because I'm trying my best. I tell you you're doing a good job every day. Is that not enough? I appreciate you and I appreciate everyone who's left us a review so far. (laughs) But that's all. We'll see you guys next time. See you guys.